Welcome back to Be More Super, the podcast, where we explore the world of entertainment with celebrity interviews from your favorite movies and TV shows. So grab your popcorn and let's get to know these stars better and what really makes them super. We are brought to you by PropStore.com, where you can find your very own piece of entertainment memorabilia from screen use props to costumes. Now, here's your host, Brian Garner. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we're continuing with awesome guests from Warrior Nun, and we're concentrating on the wonderful work behind the camera. And this week, we've got the awesome composer of this epic soundtrack to Warrior Nun, Tangeline Bolton. Welcome to the show, my love. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to talk to you. And I'm really excited because literally music has always been a passion of mine, even though I've got no talent whatsoever. I used to sing as a profession, um, but when I've picked up an instrument or tried to make music, I'm I'm absolute rubbish. And a little fact that I didn't realise, Elvis Presley had over 600 hits and he didn't write one of them. Uh, you know, so it just shows that, you know, you may not need talent as a writer, but we're going to talk about the epic epic score but first of all i want to say massive congratulations because even though it's cancelled and i'm sure the fans are doing an amazing job i think we're on over five million tweets at the moment for save warrior none which i just think is amazing it just shows the backing and the love for this show and we've got a picture here from rotten Rotten tomatoes so warrior none was the highest rated uh, show from Rotten Tomatoes, hundred percent critics and ninety nine percent. So, what does it feel like being part of this this show and how well received it's been? Putting aside that it's obviously been can- can- cancelled, but I'm sure that's for for financial reasons in Net- Netflix corner. But but what does it feel like being part of such a a successful uh, show in the way of the reviews and the critics? It's incredible. It's, yeah, it feels really good to see, you know, all of our hard work being recognized and the fans are just incredible too. Mm. Be nothing without the fans. Oh, they are. I mean, I mean, the thing is, they keep on going forward. So hopefully, fingers crossed. I know Simon Barry is, um, you know, um, you know, going to other streaming plat- platforms in in the hope they'll pick it up. And the way I look at it is that the amount of fans that this show has got, whoever picks it up, are going to automatically get so many more subscribers to their platform. So it's it's sort of a ready-made, you know, biz- business plan. But who knows? We keep trying. We keep supporting the show here at Be More Super. And, you know, fingers crossed we'll get another go at season three. Um, so let's start off with how you got into this industry because um you know it's one of these industries that that i don't know i i've never again as i said i've never had anyone on that's been in the music in industry in this way or being a composer so what on earth propelled you into this industry to begin with well i'd been playing piano since i was really little like two or three so that was always in me music running around outside, being into nature, 
being into putting on plays with my sisters. So I, that was always in me, the creativity. And then, yeah, I was just always playing music. I was classically trained. And then I went to Berklee College of Music uh, to study film scoring. And then I graduated and started working for Hans Zimmer's company. And then just after time, I've gotten to where I am now. Oh, you've got a cat in the background. <laughs> you hear her? It's I, was, fine. I was hoping she wouldn't make an entrance, but she might make a few. It is fine. I've got four cats, so mine are, are very la la lazy and selfish. So they only come around when they're hungry uh, or they're bringing us gifts from outside. So uh, you'll if hear she, her. If, yeah, if, if she wants to make an appearance, she's more, more than welcome to. Um, so when starting out in this industry, did you have a plan in, 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 in place? Did you you know know what you wanted to achieve or your end goal Oof. yeah well i mean definitely to be a composer working on big projects and to have a unique sound and have a unique voice so that's definitely something that i've tried to sort of keep in the back of my head while beginning in the industry while interning while working as an apprentice um, to always make sure I'm still working on my own, you know, short films over time to kind of craft my voice. So that's definitely, yeah, something that I had in the back of my mind all the time. And who was your influences when you were grow, grow, growing up in this sort of industry? I mean, Hans Zimmer, definitely. <laughs> James Horner, Thomas Newman, who else? Um, John Bryan, kind of a mixture of more orchestral and sort of more contemporary, like a blend mm. of both. And then obviously you talk about the training and, and, you know, you go into Berkeley. I mean, I mean, how challenging was it? I mean, what were the biggest challenges you had to face, you know, through that process to get to where you are now? You know what? There weren't that many challenges at school. School was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, the, the work was always challenging, but um, it was great because it was kind of like a little mini music industry, but we were still kind of in our bubble of school. I always tell people in school, you know, value that time now because once you get out, it's completely different. It's a, it's a bit harder. So school was fun. It was mainly you know, coming from Boston to Los Angeles and seeing how it's not just about all the hard work you put in. It's about, you know, your personality. How do you get along with people? Um, can people trust you? Because mm. in the end, if people don't trust you, it's, you know, millions of dollars or more um, that they could potentially lose. And where's and where's Berkeley based? Is that East East Coast or West Coast? Uh, Berkeley College of Music. It's in Boston. Ah, Boston. So yeah, East Coast. Yeah, there's another Berkeley too, but this one's yeah the Boston um, Berkeley College of Music. Because because you originally you grew up on the East Coast, didn't you? Was it Jersey? Mm -hmm. Um, and you've yeah, just very been different. back, and you've just been back for Christmas for the holidays. Uh, so that must yes. be nice. I think on your in, in, Instagram you're showing some pictures of the classic um like new york pizza um they, they, pizza they i ate so much <laughs> i ate so i had like three three pies and i'm like Did oh you? this is my third round like my third pie 
Well, yeah, do you know what? If you, if you don't go there that often, you know, you want to get your money's worth while, while you're there. New York is one of my favorite places to go. Um, it's, it's just great. fantastic just to walk around and just people watch and look at the buildings, the art, the, 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 the art, the architecture, Carnegie Hall, you know, places like that. It's just fantastic. It's magical. It really is, especially at Christmas time. Um, so, um, you know, am I right in saying that the industry that you're in is very male orientated? And what does it feel like sort of, um, you know, making those those waves? Because, you know, now I've got girls myself, you know, I, I've, I, th- I think I've become more aware of females within the industry. Uh, you know, of of, of music, of of showbiz biz, business, and in general. So it's quite nice to see females breaking the mold and actually making that diversity a bit fairer. So what's it been like? You know, going through your journey from from start starting out to now being a female in a very sort of male orientated you know industry well i'm i'm happy that it's starting to change a little bit the numbers are still really low but you know i'm i'm happy that me my friend like some of my friends in the industry are are starting to um get some gigs get some more higher profile gigs and I'm, I'm so happy for that because we just want the next generation to not have to go quite, um, not have to go through quite as much as what we've had to go through earlier on in our careers. Mm. I mean, I'm still at the start of my career, but you know, like 10 years ago, um, the goal is for, you know, those coming right out of college or even high school to not have to yeah, face as many of those challenges. Like, you know, how, how can I get a room? How can I get in a room with certain types of composers where maybe other men are getting more opportunities just simply because maybe it's easier for them to interact mm. with, you know, certain male composers. There is that part of it too. So um, I'm just happy that people are more, starting to be a little more open now mm. and recognize how, how, big of a deal this is and how more women need opportunities definitely and uh, you know music hasn't got a gender do you know what i mean it's sort of like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't ma- 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 matter if it's for a man or a woman you know at the end at the end of the day you know it's it's that musical score score it's that thing that makes films you know sort of lift a bit a bit higher because I've always thought, you know, when I've 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 watched move, move, movies, it's the score, it's the music that literally makes you move, you know, your emotions and you know, it's it's it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I want to challenge anyone out there watching this or listening to watch a a movie, put the subtitles on and just turn the volume down and see what experience you have with with that TV show or that mo- movie uh, without the soundtrack. And then put the soundtrack on, and how much of a difference it makes as well. I just think it is so so magical. Um, so along with your scoring of of adverts, TV shows, and movies, um, you do you have conducted your own orchestra, which I just yeah. think is just absolutely awesome. I think I've got a picture here of you commanding that stage. There you go. <laughs> commanding that or that orchestra and i've got a few questions because do you know what we see 
you know these these uh, you know conductors like Andre Rue and, and and you know many others and we see you waving that white stick and we all want to pretend to know what you're actually doing with that white stick and what it means um and I don't want you to laugh but I've got a little inkling is it right in the way that you, the white stick is keeping the beat um uh, so it's like it's I'll, I'll show you. So if, if 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 you've got the stick, if you go down, up, that's one beat a bar, is it? And then... Yeah, pretty one, much. Two, one, two, and then one, two, three, four, you know. And yeah. is, is that what you're doing with, with the stick, is keeping the orchestra in time? Pretty much. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So, yeah, you're you're keeping time. But you're also, depending on your movement... You're, you're kind of showing dynamics as well, like how loud or soft to play. So if I'm, you know, going out more, yeah. it's kind of like crescendo. And then if I'm smaller, it can be like pianissimo, which is really, really soft. So there's kind of a bunch of things I'm doing. And then, you know, depending on where I'm looking, I may be signaling certain, um, certain, certain groups to play, like violins, cellos i mean french horn solo i mean what was that experience like because not only did you conduct you know i think it was hollywood chamber orchestra if i'm right in saying um not only did you conduct them uh it was your own you know piece as well i mean how amazing is is that to stand there and actually listen to your own music being played and conducting them yeah it's incredible it's definitely something i mean something that transcends space and time without sounding cheesy it, mm. it's something that feels not quite of this realm mm. Mm. it's, it's otherworldly uh yeah there's a special connection that that you feel with the orchestra and the sound the way everything's resonating in, in the hall mm. um that i can't quite explain except say it's it's, it's just pretty magical and and do you feel more people need to go and experience a live orchestra at least once in their life? I think everyone should. Mm. Definitely. I mean, Definitely I mean, the should. great the great thing is, uh, you know, re- recently I went to the Royal Albert Hall in London, and I actually watched Superman the movie, and oh, the, that's amazing! Um, and the London Philharmonic Orchestra was playing the soundtrack, literally words can't explain it was just astonishing the conductor i, I can't remember his name his very long name <laughs> he he must have been worn out by the end of it literally i was I, t- I took my eyes off the screen and i was watching the orchestra more than i was the actual movie because i just found it ma- it's just fantastic and that's a great thing there's a lot more movies being played with live orchestras now uh, all over the place, which which I think is fantastic. Uh, I mean, is conducting yeah, it's a lot of fun. is 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 conducting something that you'd want to do more? You know, uh, on the side um, of composing. Yeah, I definitely, definitely. There's there's a lot of things that go. It's challenging and in such a fun way. There's a lot that you have to process in real time that you don't always get to do when you're composing behind the screen. Um, for example, like, you know, the time, right, that you were saying, oh, we go down, maybe that's one beat. 
there's other elements to that where, yeah, you are keeping the time, but you do have to keep into consideration that you should be a little ahead of the beat sometimes too, because, you know, for, for the orchestra to kind of see you takes them a second, right. To register what you're doing. So it's almost like a secondary time in your mm -hmm. head to make sure you're a little above the beat, or if you need them to catch up a little bit, you might have to speed up a little as well. And also keeping that internal tempo in your head. Um, for example, if you want to slow down a little bit, go to a completely different tempo, maybe you're at 120 and then you want to go to 80. You have to sort of have practice ahead of time so that you know, you have that gauge as to what tempo you want to switch to randomly. So there's a lot of fun little things you have to go through in your head. Mm, wow. Do you know what? We take all this for grant granted, the general public, you know, and we don't understand how much work is actually put into this sort of thing. And the you don't have to talent. know. That's part of the magic. I know. I know. But I, I, I think that we need to appreciate th this a bit more because because I, I you know, we go to these movies and we often forget about you know you know stunt men you know the composer and the score and and it's great to to find these things thing things out the other thing i wanted to find out is obviously how do composers get jobs you know you know for films and tv because we know actors go into a room and they and they do a piece i've just got in my head this really funny image of all these composers lined up with their keyboards and they're walking into the oh, to the thing that's how it and feels sometimes does it really i mean how does the process work in the way of getting you know those opportunity op opportunities is is it someone introducing your work to them and then then list, listening to it and then thinking yeah that's that's a person for us a little bit i mean at this point um where i am sort of had a little bit of a connection with netflix um, my name was kind of in the mix for some things. And then I would say about a year prior to me landing Warrior Nun, I had um, gotten signed to an agency. So there was a lot of things kind of prepping me for um, the opportunity. So Netflix had reached out to my agent. I think that's how it happened about Warrior Nun, that they were looking for a composer. And so we sent um, a general reel. That was the first um, thing that they wanted. And then they'd come back and said that um, the showrunner, Simon Barry, was, um, liked my music and if I could send another reel. So we sent a second reel and I'd included some pieces that I had written to specifically for Warrior Nun, like things in my mind that I thought could be cool for season two. So mm -hmm. I made sure to include that as well. That's not always how it happens. Um, you're not usually asked to do that all the time, but I was already a fan of the show. I'd watched it like many times before by this point. So I was into it. Like I wanted this gig. So yeah. I included some, some pieces and then, um, I heard back, um, and they said that Simon wanted, um, to have a meeting. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, cool. He's probably just talking to a lot of people. Um, so I had the meeting and we talked for a few minutes and he said, I just want to put a face to the name and I want to give you the job. Oh, and wow. I was like, wow, <laughs> I, I definitely screamed at some point. I was like, why did I do that? 
but I was excited. <laughs> and I immediately asked him, can you give me spoilers? So in that first meeting, he gave me some spoilers, <sighs> including, including Avatrice and I screened. Oh, what, what? Well, I suppose yeah, you'd be right signing an, I suppose you'd be signing an NDA and you wouldn't be able to talk about it anyway. But how cool is that? I mean, obviously, we've got I've got a couple of fan questions here and um, I'm going to bring one up on screen here. So um, at this uh, this question here, at what point do you decide that a musical piece is done? Uh, how much input does the director, because you just spoke 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 about Simon Barry, director or showrunner has on the composition? So, so at what point do you decide that the piece is done? Are you a, are you a perfectionist? Do you want to always keep on going Oof. back, or or is there a point where you think, no, I'm fine with it? I'm definitely a per perfectionist in the sense that I will stay up all night to like, oh bless you, to to get it perfect. <laughs> But it's mainly because there's more than just writing music in my day. There's lots of emails, there's phone calls, there's meetings about future opportunities that I have to do. So I'm always finding, you know, sparks of creativity throughout the day, whenever they hit. That's, that's the whole um, thing that I search for is when those creative sparks come, capturing that moment, because that's when my music's going to be the best. You know, get, getting that creative moment. But sometimes it's impossible during the day. So that's why at nighttime, especially for Warrior Nun, I don't know if it was something about Adriel and those demon hours, but, you know, around three or four, sometimes those were the times where the best music came out. So let me answer your question. Where, where am I getting at? So... So at some point in the night, you know, the creative juices will flow. And by the morning, I, I go, oh, I need to finish this. So usually when I start overthinking something is when it needs to be done, as well as a deadline. So as long as I can find those creative pockets throughout my day, whatever, whatever times they, they show up, um, after I get those ideas and I'm able to hash ideas out, get everything done um, and programmed and recorded, uh, that's when I know it's done. The deadline's coming up. If I'm starting to overthink it, I know I need to wrap it up or take a step away, come back, just finish it. Mm. So it's pretty strategic, but it's all about finding those little pockets. And on the second part of that, I mean, obviously when you've finished, say, one of them, do you then send it over to Simon Barry? You know, do, does it have to get signed off? I mean, do they then say, no, can we change something or literally does it stop at you and then you say no i'm happy no. with this this is how it is well i'm so lucky that simon was so open creatively it's such a rare thing to have someone so trusting of his cast and crew and every everyone behind the scenes too so that's that's a cool thing about simon i feel like he really picks and chooses carefully and and i felt that trust ever since um the start but yes it still does need to go past simon so when i'm done writing everything i have have everything perfect in my mind i send it over to um, kevin crahan our music editor who's also incredible um music editors don't get enough credit so he will put piece everything together send off the quick times um to simon 
and he will you know take a look through all the scenes and then if there's any uh if there are any scenes or cues that's what they're called um that i need to take a second pass at he'll let me know maybe a, a few notes here that he'll he'll need me to take a look at and then i'll address those um and then get them back to him quickly and hopefully by a second or third pass i like to get it all done at first pass but <laughs> hopefully second or third and it's pretty good. I mean, do you watch the the actual footage then to get an idea of of the scene uh, for what you're actually, you know, composing for? Yes, of course. I mean, uh. it was kind of a mixture of me writing some early ideas to some scenes, which which doesn't always um, get to happen. But sometimes I get to write music before um, scenes are finished. But for the most part, yes, I'm I'm scoring to the scene. So, um, sometimes there's temp music in the background that the editor will place in to kind of help inform some decisions or any other things that we've talked about in, in spotting sessions, which is when we kind of all come together and watch each episode and discuss different scenes. So I have some notes down already about different scenes and how to approach them or what moods need um, to be enhanced. Maybe there are certain moments that um, I need to be, I need to pull back a little bit more on. And yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty much crafting the music around the scene and staying true to really what I'm seeing on screen. That's, that's pretty much how I approached um, Warrior Nun is what's the story? How can I just help tell the story even more through music? I don't want to push any agendas. I just want to show what we're already seeing and amplify it moments where I can or pull back when I want certain moments on screen to shine even more. Well, you certainly did that. It's just an awesome score. And I've got another oh, thank um, you. fan question. Um, there we go. Is there one track that stands out as a favorite or was the easiest to create? Hmm. Oh, the final, the final scene between Ava and Beatrice. I feel like that was very easy for me to write uh, because the emotion was just so strong between them. Uh, it was such a vulnerable scene and it was so awesome to just lean into that vulnerability with, with the score for that moment, with the piano and the strings. And, and that was actually something we revisited again um, a few months later. Simon came back and said, can we push the melodic, um, the melodicness of oh. after um, the push into the portal? I don't want to spoil too much. Well, if you haven't <laughs> seen it, come on. You have to yeah, watch I know. it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So after um, Ava's in the portal. I pushed the melodicness even more. Simon really wanted me to keep pushing it. So I, I made sure I, I, I restated their theme again to wrap up the season. Mm. I mean, how do you choose, you, you know, some, some of the pieces uh, when you say melodic, I mean, they are hypnotic. Some of them are. I mean, some of them, especially the ones with the voices. Um, you know, you 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 can hear voices in 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 the background, like on two months later and Ava in the void. 
you know i think it's just beautiful how it's done and literally i could listen to that on repeat i just think it's beautiful so how do you you know pick you. the instruments for those or the sounds for those pieces i mean have you got a method in mind of how you start building you know each each track what do you start with so I start putting together my sonic palette. I like to call it a sonic palette pretty early on. I would say in the script stage is when I began sort of putting together um, what instruments I wanted for season two. Um, because when you're reading it, you're already starting to envision things. So it's such a fun space to be in creatively because I'm already envisioning the spaces that I'm in. So that's when I start, you know, handcrafting what instruments I want. And then as the season starts rolling along, I might add a few things here and there based on um, what I'm seeing visually, because sometimes, I mean, in a script, you're only limited to your own imagination, not, you know, an insanely talented cast and crew who's all putting their own experiences and, and takes on how they want um, things to be reflective visually and sonically too. So I'll add things as I go, but specifically for two months later and you said Ava in the void, is that mm. what you said? Yeah. yeah, so it's voices um, and then you'll hear some dulcimers and um, zithers and I, I wanted to have kind of an ancient feel, but for Ava in the void, that's the first time that we see that Ava has her first encounter with Rhea, I believe. So for for Rhea, I actually have it over here. I have an, the instrument I used. Uh, this is what it looks like. It's pretty crazy. You see this? Wow. <laughs> it's not plugged in, but it's interesting. It's called the pipe. It's by Soma Laboratory. And basically I can sing in it and mess with all these different algorithms here um, to, to kind of create different tones to my voice. So I use this for Rhea and Lilith. So for Rhea, I wanted it to sound more ethereal, a little more muffled and not of this realm. So mm. a little otherworldly somewhere else. We don't quite know what she is. Yes, yeah, she's God, but there's a little mystery to her too. Is she to be trusted? Adriel isn't a fan of her. Mm. Um, so, so there's something there that's not not good or bad. That's that's mm. kind of a huge tone for Warren on is what is good, what is evil. We it's so it's so subjective, right? Mm. So that's sort of what I wanted to create with Raya was this this sort of not not good or bad so i use i use this instrument for her and then for lilith um i use a different algorithm where you can hear as as the season's going on that her her voice starts changing too it starts having this kind of quivering quality to it and i layered i layered it with um a lyre which is I'm just picking up instruments now. Do you know what? I've just got a vision of you just picking up your cat in a second and going, and my cat did this. She's When she's sleeping is when I know that I'm on the right track. <laughs> Excellent. 
<laughs> yeah. So this was Lilith's instrument, a lyre. Wait. Oh, I'm wow. Here. So I played it. It's out of tune right now. So I played it, you know, plucked and very ethereally in the beginning for her, especially when she goes to visit her mom. Um, I wanted to kind of show her backstory a little bit. And then later on, as she starts transforming, I, I bow it. So you hear a little bit of that layered with all the other instruments that I have. So that paired with um, the pipe. Wow. Amongst other things. How so that's sort of my process, just handpicking things. And How many instruments can you play? Because it's just amazing. I mean, definitely a few. I'm, <laughs> I'm pushing myself to become even better at guitar this year. Excellent. So a few. Excellent. I mean, I mean, I just like the idea of technology as well being introduced within this because the future is technology. And yes, you know, having live in instruments will never get replaced in some way or form. But it's quite nice to see, you know, certain in in instruments being used or, or new technology being, being used to create these sounds, uh, which is astonishing. Uh, I mean, what's been the most enjoyable part of working on war Warrior on? I think being asked to create a theme for Avatrice, for between Ava and Beatrice. Because that's something that I came up with really early on too, to the scripts. I'd come up with their theme and I'm so grateful that the theme is what stuck. But what was so hard was not just playing their theme all the time. Like you, we wanted to make sure that it was something that grew organically over mm. um, the course of season two. That was definitely something that Simon um, made sure to, to, to tell me is we want it to grow organically. I was so excited about Avatris, but you know, making sure to have it just come here and there at certain moments um, so that by the end it, it was in full fruition by that mm -hmm. point. And also to leave, you know, leave, leave room for that amazing kiss. Mm -hmm with amazing, amazing song that comes in there. So, so being very careful about where to place their theme, that was definitely a really fun part. And I've always said the show um, is such a classy show and the way they did that, because I'll say it again, because the show got a bit of, um, you know, you know, bad fee fee feedback during uh, season one for, trying to um i don't know what the term is it is trying to push that storyline to sell the show uh but they did it all in a very tasteful natural uh beautiful it way was. and you didn't think any of you 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 just thought it was two people that obviously loved each other and finally finally they had that scene and i can imagine millions upon millions of people shouting at the screens going yes it's finally happened which is beautiful it really really is and and kudos to the writers and the filmmakers and and yourself for for making that scene so perfect you know uh, for the fans and for the story which is fantastic uh, i mean how involved were you within you know, the Warrior on team. I mean, were you literally in like a studio all the time? Did you ever get to spend any time with the other filmmakers in person? 
uh, or was you you know surrounded by all your wondrous uh, equipment wondrous equipment <laughs> i wish i i wish i could have been in spain that would have been fun but you know i was in my studio um receiving dailies if mm. if those whoever whoever doesn't know what uh, dailies are there it's like the daily footage that comes in each day after filming so i i would just hop on my computer take a look at the dailies and maybe start writing some ideas or putting some new instruments together in my template um that's pretty much what i was doing i was trying to make sure i could you know keep being involved behind the scenes with taking mm. a look at dailies and continue diving to scripts or new versions of the scripts so I could be fully prepared once um, everything got to the locked picture stage. Um, so yeah, I would just come up with different themes, send them over to Simon, um, you know, wait a little bit, and then he'll, he would give me some feedback and kind of go from there. And if there was a season three, uh, would you like to work on it? <laughs> I would love to work on season three, especially with this holy war. This holy war. I, I, I intentionally didn't, you know, want to build season two too big because I knew this holy, this as Lilith says, a holy war is coming. So season three, come on, epic, epic mm. battle music. There, it needs to continue. It does. does, it does, because there's so many unanswered questions, you know, Rhea, is she good or bad, you know? Rhea, and, she's and interesting. Yeah, you don't know, you really don't, you want, well, yeah, who knows, we will find out, I know, I spoke to David Hayter, he was on the show, and um, he mentioned to me, it was really bad, so halfway through the interview, he had a text message from Simon Barry to tell him that the show had been cancelled. And literally, um, he didn't want to tell me because he didn't know if it was public knowledge yet. So then, apparently, the next question we went on to was, you know, season three. <laughs> and oh. what he's got to plan. And they've already got I I ideas. They already know what they potentially want to do in see, see season three for this holy war. So who knows? I mean, fingers crossed. But, you know, with with you and your career... Uh, I've got a few more questions for you. If you could work with one composer, past or present, you know, to work side by side on a project, like your dream Ooh. job, what com which composer would it be and why? Oh, wow, this is a great question. And it's a very hard question. Hmm... I don't know. I feel like I have a couple different answers because, okay, this is the problem. Do I want to work with someone that I feel like I have similar tendencies to? That could be an easy mm -hmm. thing to say, right? Pick someone who you feel similarly to, or do I pick someone who I feel really different to because it could be a good chance to grow. I'm just going to throw out John Williams because I'm, I mean, he's the best, right? because I feel like I love writing melodic music and I just love his stuff melodically. Um, but I, I would say I have more of an approach to like the Hans Zimmer camp where yeah. I like to infuse a lot of contemporary stuff. So I would say Hans Zimmer, 
or John Williams. <laughs> Two of the greatest composers ever. Two of the greatest. And apart from your your own work, you know, if you had to pick one score from a TV show or film that will always stay with 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 you as one one of the greatest pieces, you know, which piece would that be? For a TV show or film? I always go back to this. I mean, it's, I would say it's an understated score. A Beautiful Mind. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. The Russell Crowe one. Yeah. Yeah. I love the score to that movie so much. It was one of my earlier memories of, of why I wanted to get into composing. Um, that, along with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I love mm. the score to that. Um, and also, the Coen brothers, like I love a lot of their scores too. Carter Burwell, I, I, I was really influenced by him growing up too. Mm. I mean, one of my favorite um, of all time, it's an old Christopher Reeve movie and it's called Somewhere in Time. And the uh, score mm. was written by John Barry. And mm, it's just good. beautiful, absolutely beautiful score um because it's a very romantic mo mo movie so the music is just it just takes you on this journey you don't even have to watch the mo movie the music takes you on that journey and it's just beautiful it really really is uh but you I'm know what? Check it out. oh it's fantastic and and it's got jane C seymour in it it was made in 1980 okay. so i was like one at the time but when i grew up and become a superman fan I, you know i found the mo mo movie and i thought it was fantastic because i'm a big I'm, I'm, I'm a big wimp when it comes down to movies. I like my romantic sort of cry at the screen. Movies, you know what I mean? I'm a modern man, as they say. Um, but no, Tan Tangeline, you've been a great guest. And, um, you know, thank you so much for your work on the show. I know all the fans um, absolutely adore you and the work that you've, you've, you've done for the show to make it what it is. Um, and let's, fingers crossed, hope for season three and everyone needs to be hashtagging uh, hashtagging yeah hash hash uh, hash tagging save warrior none um and get it trending to six million seven million until someone picks it up but if they don't do you know what we've had two beautiful seasons of such a stylish and well-written well-made show and it will always be yeah, exactly. You need to do your score for season three. You need to do your epic, you know, battle score. Um, so, but thank you so much. Look after yourself and keep safe. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for listening to Be More Super, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by PropStore.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Be More Super and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at Be More Super the Podcast and on Twitter at Be More Super. Keep safe and stay super.